0: Welcome to the Invisible Cabaret podcast. I'm Ferreira Rochelle and I'm Rosie Verbose and together we run Invisible Cabaret, a performing arts troupe dedicated to opening up the conversation surrounding mental health. Join us as we talk to some of the most bodacious
1: burlesque babes, cabaret creatives and inspiring artists about how their creativity and mental health intertwine. Let's pull back the curtain and strip away
0: stigma. Please note, we at Invisible Cabaret are not mental health professionals. If you're affected by any of the issues raised in this programme, we've made a list of resources for you on our website, www.invisiblecabaret.org forward slash podcast forward slash resources. Welcome to the Invisible Cabaret podcast. It's lovely to have you all here as usual. We've got another cracking burlesque lined up for you this week. Well, I mean, she's not only a burlesker she's also a teacher a choreographer a dancer in general and she has all the curves and all the moves and is a resident performer and the choreographer for house of burlesque it is the one and only Trixie kicks
2: <laughs> thank you for having me
0: <laughs> thank you for being here how are you doing
2: I'm really good, thank you. How are you guys?
1: Yeah, good, thank you. Not too shabby. And I'm pleased that things are starting to open up again. I think that's making a real... Difference to pretty much everyone's morale, isn't it? Definitely. And how have you kept yourself busy while you've been in lockdown?
2: We my wife and I moved into a new house. Um, just what you want to do. In the oh, of congratulations.
1: Um, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <a better> time.
2: <laughs> so, really luckily, actually, that's been like the main focus over the past year has been working on the house and doing it up and bits of DIY and stuff. So I've actually been really grateful to have that as my focus basically for the past year. I think I would have been real loose end um without
1: it that does sound brilliant to have that one sort of focus I mean I'm sure with its with its stresses but to have those like 2020 is the year I moved rather than the year the plague descended is is a much nicer (laughs) way of looking at things isn't it (laughs) yes
0: yeah I think people who've um had 2020 babies as well feel very similar this is your like this is your House baby. So
2: yeah. We'll focus on that instead of the conch. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The friends I've I've got who've had babies this year have been like, oh, look what twenty twenties brought me and we're like, Oh my goodness, that's amazing, you lucky thing. Twenty twenties <laughs> brought me nothing but anxiety. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Different different experiences for different people. But now, of course, it's all opening back up. So have you been back in the rehearsal room?
2: Yeah, so we've had some kind of sort of R&D development days with House of Burlesque um, as a company, sort of in studios big enough that we can social distance when we're allowed to do that as sort of professional dancers. And then um, on Monday, I was in the studio just with Tempest, um, bringing a new act to life, bringing it a new lease of life. Awesome. Whenever someone will have us, wherever, we are ready. <laughs> yes. Amazing. That's the yeah. that's, that's our vibe. <laughs> yes.
0: Love it. Well, let's dive straight into talking about burlesque then. How did you come to find burlesque?
2: I dance since I was two and that's the thing I've loved most in the world since I was two it's my first ballet class at my nursery and then at 16 decided I wanted to train full time and then after that I went to university got my degree in dance but I still wanted that professional performance training so then weird way around it then went to professional theatre school after university and was not really fitting any of the boxes they wanted me to fit in and I didn't really know what my sort of niche was going to be and my wife was my girlfriend at the time took me to see a ballet for the first time whilst I was at dance college and I was like Ah, oh, that's what I'm going to do a sort of a lightning bolt moment I think for a lot of performers the first time you see a burlesque you're like oh why do I why have I not known of this before yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so as soon as I finished training I went straight into taking burlesque classes and auditioning to be a tiny little backup dancer clicking at the back <laughs> in these tiny little shows and slowly, slowly, slowly got of worked my way out from there, made connections, and kind of got slowly got to where I am now.
1: What was it about burlesque that clicked for you trixie do you do you know
2: probably in particular, it was the range of bodies and the range of Performer styles and a lot of musical theatre, unfortunately, and commercial world as well, and also the ballet and contemporary world, you're still required aesthetically to be a size six to eight. So, I wasn't fitting in boxes in that kind of way, and I wasn't sort of like an exceptional singer to go into sort of the musical theatre world. I was kind of equal through my dance and my singing and my acting, dance maybe a bit higher. And to see burlesque where it didn't matter what body shape or type or size or colour you were and whatever your strengths were, you decided what your niche was. You decided how you emphasise your strengths and create acts around yourself rather than having to fit into a casting or a role. So that power and control of your own creativity and how you project your own skills and strengths and stuff and then does not matter what you fucking look like <laughs> you can celebrate mm. that and however you like yeah those two things maybe yeah that control over creativity and not having to fit in a box and it doesn't matter what your body looks like those two things
0: amazing how if you don't mind me asking how did you find the kind of pressures of dance school to look a certain way
2: luckily the dance school that i went to it was never like said out loud like there was never a focus on you need to be a certain size, or like you hear like there's all like rumours about like dance schools having weigh-ins, and you have to be weighed every week and stuff. And it's it was never about that, luckily, because I went to a great dance school. It was much more focused on like the fitness and your technique and stuff. But you have eyes and you can see you're the biggest in the room and you can look into the industry and see what makes it onto stages and what makes it into castings and stuff. Mm. So you're not stupid. (laughs) You can see the kind of like unsaid, unwritten rules of what bodies are accepted and what bodies will get the jobs in the end. There are exceptions to the rules, obviously, sometimes in the musical theatre world, in other worlds, but burlesque, it just seemed like the rules did not exist at all.
1: Yeah, make your own. I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes, right, Trixie, for a second. Your glorious, light-footed shoes. Um, <laughs> I mean, have you always been a sort of stable, okay, I am who I am, this is my body, this is where I'm going person, or has that been a journey? And if so, how did you get for me to be?
2: Yeah, I think so. I kind of had that sort of pushed into me as a kid, like whatever you want to do, you focus on that, you work hard at that, and whatever sort of external factors... Try and sort of push you down for that. Just ignore them, push them out, be you and work hard on that. And if you have a passion and drive for something, focus everything on that. And I think I was bullied just as much as any teenager is bullied for ridiculous fucking reasons. Um, (laughs) And you just have to ignore it and focus on what you want to do. And I really knew what I wanted to do. So, despite the fact I didn't have the right hips for ballet or I had my ass was too big and then my tits fucking grew (laughs) like (laughs) I didn't have the right body for being a dancer in the sort of traditional sense Mm. but I didn't care like I loved it so much and I knew I had to pursue this and wherever I ended up in the dance world whether it was on stage whether it was being choreographer whether it was being a teacher I had to pursue that art form I had to pursue it and wherever I ended up I would have been loving my job because I was doing dance in some form
0: (laughs) Mm. oh what a glorious perspective yeah so admirable (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting here like my goodness yeah what's that like yeah what (laughs) tell me (laughs) fuck the
2: rules fuck the boxes I'm gonna do it okay wherever I end up how I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it
0: (laughs) yes I love it that really speaks to I mean no, I was about to say that really speaks to me, but it, uh, I'm not like that at all, so it doesn't really speak to me. I'm I, I'm really um, impressed by that. And I think it also speaks to who you are, on social media at least, mm. as a very... Body positive person. So, would you mind if we talked about body positivity? Yeah, of course. Because I really bloody struggle with it. I really struggle with it. And the concept of body positivity versus like body neutrality or any other way you can view your body, it feels so alien to me. And so, like, I find it very, very difficult. How? How? <laughs> yeah. <just> <laughs> how? <laughs>
1: Body positivity, is that the thing that just comes naturally to you, Trixie? You're putting out a message quite consistently, aren't you, about how your body is glorious and it doesn't matter what it looks like. It's about how glorious it
2: is in what it looks like,
1: you know? Yeah. So is that something that has come from you innately or something that you learned? I think it
2: probably the same story for a lot of girls, a lot of women. It's coming from probably being bullied for something about my physical appearance when I was younger and wanting to make sure that other people don't have to feel like that and teaching people who might bully something about someone's physical appearance like you really should not be doing this and I really enjoy whether it's a sort of the more sort of body neutrality point of view of enjoying our bodies for what they can do rather than what they mm, right. look like and that kind of mm. feminist point of view of my worth is not attached to my looks and I shouldn't equate all of my self-worth to what I look like and celebrating what the body can do and maybe that comes from the dance background and growing up as a dancer and when I move my body when I dance to music nothing beats that feeling so having that celebration feeling of what my body can do and how it feels doing it rather than focusing what it looks like maybe that's balanced it out a bit more for me, and then as I teach body positivity or as I channel or invite other women to experience a healthier body image and a sort of healthier approach to body positivity, maybe it's that through movement that I like my version of teaching it to women. Having women reach body positivity kind of lessons through moving their body and then seeing in the mirror then what their body can do as well as how it looks in the mirror. That's sometimes an easier path for women rather than like go and look in the mirror and tell your cellulite you love it. It's like, no, come and dance in the studio and see what your thighs can do rather than just what they look like. Your thighs can grind, your thighs can squat, they can strut, you can stroke them like coming at it from a different angle rather than just... Uh, static way of doing it just yeah, yeah. how it looks and look in pictures and have a still moment it's actually celebrate your body for moving and what it can do as well as how it looks
1: yeah you hear all that sort of stuff about how your mental health would be so much better if you went out for more fresh air and, and all the kind of you know things that you hear and one of them that you often hear is you know a firm you know, all the affirmations, do them in the mirror like 10 times a day or whatever. It just, it's not clicking. It's just yeah. not. When you tell your cellulite you love it, sometimes that's great. And I like to be kind to myself, especially when no one's around to hear me. I will say it out loud. But it's not usually, wow, you're so sexy and brilliant. It's like, well done, body, you did a good job today. (laughs) And there's a difference there, isn't there?
2: Yeah, definitely. Like, actually, how we look is completely irrelevant. And we can just sometimes just some days enjoy our bodies for what they can do and what they've achieved (laughs) in that sense, rather than, okay, I look light in my jeans today. It's like, no, actually, I went for a really nice walk. And then I dance in the kitchen for 10 minutes.
0: Yeah. It makes me think of Billy Elliott. Like they don't ask him when he's at that big audition, <laughs> what do you look like in the mirror? They ask him, how does it feel when you're dancing? <laughs> and like that's the thing that gives him like
2: drive. And that's what makes a good dancer. That's what makes a good performer. Like you have to feel that electricity. You have to feel like a fucking goddess that, if you, have, you feel it yourself, that is when it will come through in a performance. So that's what makes a great dancer, actor, burlesque performer is genuinely feeling the narrative or the character or the concept that you want to put across in a performance. You have to genuinely believe it yourself, however you've reached that point, to get it across in a performance. And that's what makes someone captivating on stage as well, because you genuinely believe what they're expressing to you.
1: Yeah, for sure. I guess some people would think that's maybe a little bit of um, a paradox almost because, I don't know, if you've not seen ballest before and you go off to a show, you might think that performers are basically saying, look how gorgeous I am. But it's not just about like, look how I look in this corset, is it? Well, I mean, what is ballest to you? What are you evoking when you perform ballest, Trixie?
2: I think Tempest Rose said, I think it's in her Gypsy Rose Lee monologue speech Mm -hmm. where she said when you're applauding burlesque, you're not applauding that woman taking her clothes off, you're applauding the idea of a woman taking control of her body. So not like, yay, nice leg, (laughs) very nice leg. It's like, yes, I am applauding the idea that a woman, any woman can take control of her own body and self-design her own striptease. And I think Yeah, that is subconsciously what we're applauding when we're watching burlesque and being like, yes, like, that's what we're celebrating is the idea that all women, you're representing on stage in your striptease, but all women can own their own sexuality, can be empowered and take control of every inch of themselves and how they then express that. Mm. And I think that is what burlesque is. And that is actually in words, what we're all feeling when we're performing. I want you to celebrate with me this idea of what I'm saying. Oh, I
0: love that so
1: much.
2: Yes. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yes, that's entirely (laughs) it. Like, I think, because for me, I came from a background of feeling a lot of shame around sexuality in general. And it was, it was like seeing somebody perform burlesque is, is like saying, it's like being given permission, isn't it? to to be your sexy self.
2: Mm. Yeah, like, I'm performing on stage, but it's not not about me, it's about you. It's about how you feel as an audience member. And I want you to understand that you can feel this thing that I'm expressing and sharing with you. Like, this is way more about you and how you feel than it is about what I'm doing.
0: (laughs) I just
1: love it. Doesn't that tap into where to why you got into burlesque rush isn't that isn't that so well,
0: similar it's interesting here like having this conversation i'm now reflecting on my own journey into burlesque and i feel like i did burlesque before i watched it like i i had never seen a burlesque show before i did burlesque i first did burlesque at uni and it was just this opportunity arose like oh do you want to do some burlesque and i had no idea about it no idea what it was and was like cool all right? yeah I guess I'll do it sure like I don't really know what it is and then my actual first experience of burlesque was my audition for this show and I did a sing and fling didn't know what it was called didn't know it was a sing and fling I just dressed up had a feather boa and then whilst I was singing I just took my clothes off and I was like cool like this is great and um the the woman on the judging panel was like that was I was like cool great um like, I almost feel like my route into it was that kind of selfish, like, not selfish, that's a bit of a harsh word, but like, oh, I'm experiencing this, like, fun thing. This is really cool for me to do. Like, you guys should watch me. Like, this is really fun. And it's not until after I finally watched Burlesque, like, a year later. Yeah, seeing how it's done for real. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, this can be a whole community kind of Mm. feeling that, like, bolsters people and makes people feel amazing like it's not just about me so yeah it's really interesting (laughs) because now I'm like oh shit (laughs) Trixie which of your acts do you feel is
1: most authentic to you which is the one that you're like hell yeah this is
2: what I'm about
0: um oh it's hard
1: is it choosing between your children (laughs) sorry
2: (laughs) I when people ask me my favorite acts and also sort of I guess most authentic as well is the Bloody Mary act that I did create for House of Burlesque. I was very quiet growing up and in the Bloody Mary act I come out in this very very sort of quiet stance with a veil over me looking quite religious obviously because Bloody Mary is very religious and then it turns into custom dubstep of me whacking in fire-crystalled lingerie and it's sort of <laughs> yes. breaking out, like don't judge me by how quiet I am or how you first perceive me and actually I can be an absolute fucking firecracker <laughs> and shock you. Um, so I really enjoy that unexpectedness. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Yeah. And I love
1: it because it's got that sort of historical element to it as well. You're telling a, yeah. a story that then becomes much bigger than just Mary. Yeah,
2: like the fascinating time of the Tudors and having this, just taken that one particular woman who was just treated like shit because she was a woman and because she was rightly an heir to the throne, but no one wanted to give it to her and everyone tried to keep her from her throne. She was like, fuck this. (laughs) I'm going to get there. And when I get there, I'm going to do what I believe in and I'm going to stay true to what my mother wanted and women before me and was a bloodthirsty tyrant, but actually was just doing the same kind of things that all the men before her had done. Mm. But she was being called outrageous. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. In
2: fact, no, she's just standing up for what she believes in, just as the men did.
1: I hope in the afterlife she will be able to have seen that. Have you ever thought about that, what she'd make
2: of it? I think she'd love it.
1: I reckon she'd love it, you know. I think she'd be shocked at first, but then would be like, yeah, you go.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, brought it to the 21st century. Thanks, Pay.
1: Precisely. So can we talk a bit more then, Trixie, as well, about creativity in general? Do you ever find it difficult being someone who is creative for their job? Because I know with some people that ends up being like a bit of a chore when they do it as their full time gig. Do you ever have that?
2: Yeah, there's always that pressure added on when it becomes your paid job and then your bills rely on you being creative and successfully (laughs) creative. There's always that added pressure that comes on when you turn that passion into a career. But if it's your actual passion, you're always going to find those new ways to fuel your creativity, mm-hmm. whether that's sitting for three hours watching YouTube videos or listening to podcasts or watching films or something or talking with another creative, I need to create something around this maybe specific tiny idea and you need another brain to go, oh, have you looked at it from this point of view? No, I did not think of that. Like two heads are always better than one sometimes. yeah. yeah.
0: Do you think that's something that you've missed during lockdown, that kind of um, community kind of spirit, or do, or has it not has you know lockdown not really affected it? Thanks to technology, <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, because you're never going to beat that constant mixing with other creatives, whether it be backstage or in a class, or you've gone for drinks in between shows or something like right. that. Constant mixing and chatting about whether you're either talking shop and you're talking about shows and classes and working and stuff, or you're just talking about. Ranty feminist issues or what's going on in your life, like those interactions, whether they're personal or professional. We just haven't had them, have we? That constant interaction and talking and sort of working through different ideas. So yeah, I think we've all definitely missed that and tried to make up for them as much as possible on Zoom and Zoom rehearsals and WhatsApp yeah. groups <laughs> and stuff. But it's never going to replicate that in person kind of sharing
1: of ideas no no it's Mm, not the same and it's about the casual stuff as you say isn't it it's the it's not having to sit down and be like right can we schedule an hour because I need to talk about x it's all the little things that sort of end up weaving in isn't it
0: yeah I sometimes find some of the best ideas come out in those like snatched hours in between rehearsals or that like oh yeah let's just pop down to the bar for half an hour just to unwind and de-stress and then next thing you know the glass has turned into a bottle We're like <laughs> this idea i've thought of this
2: <laughs> that is absolutely correct yeah the post-show drinks that <laughs> will just stay for two okay will just stay for two after the show you are in the underground bar at 4am and you've designed two new acts
1: yeah oh ring on those times yeah cannot wait bring it on what are you most looking forward to in the in the post-lockdown world, Trixie?
2: I love teaching and performing equally and having that in-person, either teaching in a studio or being backstage and then on stage with real-life people <laughs> and real-life energy <laughs> around me. Yeah, like nothing beats the in-person version of teaching and performing.
0: Do you find that people are a little bit more awkward online? Like they can't really get into it?
2: Sometimes, yeah, but then also I feel like when you're maybe trying burlesque for the first time possibly on zoom in your own home you maybe would have never come to a studio and tried a class like oh I'm not quite sure what burlesque is are they gonna make me take my top off like do I have to be sexy already do I have to arrive at the class with a certain level of performative sexiness or a certain level of body confidence so I think some people have tried burlesque and particularly my class online for the first time and they would never have tried it in person, in a studio. So I feel like there's been less inhibitions and they've been able to try it and be like, oh, okay, this is a safe space. This is here for me to learn and be an individual and express and experiment and try things. And nothing I do in this space is wrong. And this is about me taking time for myself and exploring my femininity, my sexuality, how to be more empowered, how to celebrate my body. So, yeah, I feel like people maybe have been less awkward because they've been able to try it in a safe space in their home first. Makes sense. And they might end up, yeah, in a studio or on a stage eventually.
0: Because I was about to ask you, Trixie, give us a flavour. Like, what does a class with you look like? Like, what? Does it feel like to be in that room? But you've just explained it perfectly. I feel like I've just been in one. So it's a dance-based
2: class, but the burlesque vibe obviously feeds into it and it's dance-based. So there'll always be like a sort of snippet of choreography we'll be learning or bits of choreography and bits of freestyle based on particular, whether it's a burlesque style or a style of sort of genre of music or something. And it's moving our bodies to music, but we're thinking about what we're expressing and why we're expressing it. And... That is, is like a little party as well, and there's a lot of like screaming and shouting and strutting and feeling <laughs> ourselves. Um, <laughs> it's all good fun. It's my my class is relaxed. It is friendly. All women are welcome, and I sort of always want to try and get across that vibe of burlesque is about being an individual and unlike being in the ensemble of a ballet company or a musical theatre company, you don't have to fit and look like the person next to you. You are meant to look different to the person next to you. So when I give you a move or give you choreography, you're not meant to be doing it like the person next to you. You take that and do what the hell you like with it. So you roll your shoulder differently to the person next to you, that is a good thing. And your hips move wider than the person next to you, that is a good thing. And the way you strut and the way you are interpreting that stroke of your chest, is how you feel you want to do it with your body on that day and how you express is a completely individual thing and that should be celebrated and then exaggerated. (laughs) Yes!
1: I love it. You've done some kind of like, um, almost like sort of compassion work as well, haven't you, in some of your workshops? Is that the right word for it? Yes,
2: I've done more of like focused body positivity workshops, which focus on more of the reasons why we... Mainly as women have body positivity issues, so it's looking at the actual right. reasons throughout history and that exist in our society and exist in culture. And once you understand why we hate parts of our body or we are taught and sold the reasons to hate our bodies, mm. then you can be like, "Right I 've been sold a lie.") <laughs> Right, that's all bullshit. So now I understand why you've sold me and how you've sold me that problem that is not a problem at all, or is not a flaw at all. Now I understand how you sold that to me, I can understand that it's a lie, and then start to unlearn that. And it's obviously incredibly hard to unlearn a lifetime of being taught how to hate your body. But once you can understand the background to it, you can then start to unlearn it and not have it take over your life or define who you are. There are definite books I recommend reading, which just present you with these kind of facts and figures and information that's like, oh my God, we have been lied to so much. And it makes you get angry about it. Are
1: there any like little pointers for anyone who's listening? who might be like, I'd like to get angry. How do I get angry about these lies?
2: One of the easiest things to create your social media feed. So... You should not be following anyone that you compare yourself to or makes you feel less in your body. So if there's some, someone you follow and you're like, oh, I do really wish every time I see her, I really wish my like, thighs looked like hers. No, delete her. Unfollow her immediately. Right.
1: Sometimes it's hard to even realise you're being made to feel shits about yourself though, isn't it? There's almost like a yeah. subconscious level of where, where it's working.
2: Social media can be toxic as hell, but it can be the most incredible place of learning if you're following the right people.
1: Right. And I, I guess I, we all sort of do it very passively as well, don't we? We sort of end up following who we follow rather than thinking, how does that make me feel? and And is it time to maybe let that person go or, you know whatever it might be. Yeah, do I
2: need to actually actively go and search out better accounts that speak nicer to me?
1: Yeah, for sure. I know I had to do that when I um, started having chronic pain and when that started really kind of impacting the choices I was making in my life and being like, okay, I'm going to have to rethink things because I'm not physically able to do you know certain things. And I had to get rid of some stuff on my feed where I was just looking at it being... You know, happy for them that they were off hiking or whatever, but low key right. sad that I couldn't do it. And so right. finding people with visible disabilities like canes and stomas and all this kind of thing and it really has majorly, I mean I'm not a whole different person, but I'm half a different person, I reckon, probably because
0: of it. So I'm
1: yeah, I'm I'm well I'm well into that.
0: I think also, I mean, probably to a lesser extent, but we should strive to do that kind of thing with our relationships with other people as well. You know, the toxic friendships. Oh, or the, that, right, I see, yeah. Do you know what I mean? The toxic friendships or the people who are constantly comparing themselves and to you and making you feel bad about it and forging relationships with people that are healthy for you. Radiators. and eaters.
1: What's is that? The radiators, not drains. Is that the yes? That's the it, kitchen yeah. terminology for it. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I think I refer to them as eleven reefs when I talk to my wife about them because there was a meme once that was like, oh, "There's always that person. If you've been to Tenerife and they've been to eleven reef, like they're always <laughs> trying to one up you. Like they can never just sit in your moment or be happy about you. They're always trying to be better than you, and that's fucking draining. If oh, that's your man. friend, so I can't bear. The plural term eleven reefs.
0: <laughs> eleven reefs.
2: Make it a thing. I love I, was, it. I
0: thought it was like a per, like a, a famous person. I was like, who is eleven reefs? <laughs> Tell me. I don't know who that is. <laughs> no. I love it. I love it. I yeah. Love it. yeah. Absolutely. I start thing. using it.
2: Yeah. I don't enjoy those type of people.
1: <laughs> no. No. And it's important to prioritise yourself and your own needs, isn't it? And be like they'll find other friends. And I deserve better ones than, than the old 11 a Right. I
0: find myself thinking, oh, I'm being particularly callous if I don't want to spend time with this person. Or or this person makes me feel shit about myself, but I probably should meet up with them because of X, Y, and Z. But Miss Mustardseed, who is one of the kindest people in the world, was like, you know, you don't have to hang out with these people. You know, if they're making you feel like shit, there is no shame in taking a step back and taking care of yourself, you know, it's a healthy thing to do. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes we do need permission
1: from other people. And that's why I just I love what um, you create, Trixie, like having been to a class or two as well from you. And like, I love what you're putting out there in in terms of giving people permission to think differently about themselves and get and get angry at stuff that's worth getting angry about. Yeah, you know, it's very big sister vibes I get from you. You do so much, Trixie, as well. Like, how do you balance like not getting completely
2: burnt out? You have to be really strict I think like you have to be quite stubborn and be like no I need to take responsibility and if you have so I have hypothyroidism which burns me if I work too hard or I do too much I will just flop in a flump just (laughs) lump of fatigue so I have to prioritize making sure I'm going to get enough rest that I need making sure I'm going to be putting good food in my body to make sure my body is fueled properly and I think you have to yeah put your big girl pants on and be like i maybe you need that extra 50 quid, but I need to turn down that job because oh, I can't work yeah. seven days this week. I need to work six days this week. Or no, I am just going to stay for two and then I need to go home because I've got to get up early for my morning and I can't function on three hours sleep tomorrow. I need to have a few more hours. Like not missing out on things, but prioritising which things could I sacrifice would actually the gain that I'm going to have is going to be much better than if I stayed and had the fifth bottle of Prosecco. <laughs> Having priorities and understanding how that works for you what your body is capable of learning about your body and what its limits are
0: that's Mm. takes such strength that Mm. you know i'm again just blown away i think that's (laughs) it's just amazing because you know so many people myself included would not have that discipline is this something again I feel like we're asking the same questions but (laughs) is is this something that you've had to learn or is this something that you know you've just kind of had innately within you I
2: grew up in a very sort of like disciplined regimented home and there were obviously very strict rules and stuff and I feel like discipline comes from the ballet side as well um, yeah. and oh, I'm yeah. not I'm not disciplined all the time at all like we can all be like thank god you said that I was gonna come away no. like oh, no. oh I need Dad, to be more tricksy <laughs> <God>. <laughs> no. no no one is perfect and I'm not disciplined um all of the time at all um but then sort of everything in moderation including moderation so m- most of the time you need to look after yourself but there are other times if you can weigh up, I haven't got too many important things to do. I'm going to absolutely fucking go for it <laughs> this weekend yeah. or something. And I know I've got time to rest after that. So just sort of have a little uh, check in the diary and a plan through and then knowing I can push myself to being really tired or it does not matter if I eat beige food all week. Like, I'm right. busy. I've got shit to do. I don't have time to make a vegetable risotto tonight. Like, <laughs> look yeah. at... Yeah. Planning and looking at your schedule and knowing when you can just absolutely have a blow up.
0: Yeah. Balance, that's it, isn't it? Balance. You know, trying to keep everything in balance and not be that star-shaped candle that's burning every single oh, yeah. end. For sure. Which I think a lot of performers tend to do. Mm. So I think, yeah, it's definitely smarter, isn't it? Especially when you're working night times all the time and you're right. not getting in until silly o'clock. Well... I think I mean, we could probably talk to you for hours, Trixie, but I think we've come to the point in our podcast where we start to wind down and we talk about what we're grateful for this week. So Trixie, would you like to kick us off? Oh, oh I see what you did there. <laughs> so proud. I love it. Uh, please tell us what you're grateful for this week.
2: Uh, this week it's very slow progress but I am so grateful to be watching what they're doing in our garden um, because my wife and I were in a flat for nine years in a tiny one bedroom flat that had no outside space and we've waited to move into a house and have outside space for donkey's years. It feels like a lifetime of years mm. now. So to watch that space be slowly transformed into something that's going to be functional and beautiful and we can have dinner outside, we can eat what? our fresco. So, yeah, so grateful to have that project be started and to be watching that slowly transform into this very tiny but beautifully formed oasis for us.
1: Oh, (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. Rosie Verbose, what are you grateful for this week? So this week, generally and specifically, I'm grateful for medical professionals and I'm specifically grateful for my medical professionals, one of whom I saw today, in fact, And I was just reminded what a fabulous, fabulous doctor this guy is and how, like, he's one of those people that you can just tell is in the right job. You know, when you just, you are empathetic, you know your stuff, you really obviously care about people and, like, that's not everyone's experience, obviously, and that's a story for another day. But I do want to take that extra moment to big up the people who really are in the right profession and... Who are wonderful because there are a lot of them. So thank you,
0: yeah. medical professionals. Because when they get it right, yes, they get it so right. Definitely, like, and we it's need such them. a game changer. My doctor's amazing, and it's not until being her patient that I've realised that I've, you know, I've suffered under a couple of other not so great doctors. But you know, when it when it's right, oh, oh, so great chef's kiss yeah so that's (laughs) (laughs) that's my gratitude this week amazing
1: Herrera Rochelle what about you
0: mine's a bit rogue really uh I'm not rogue no it's it's just a bit boring I guess (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm very grateful for my new face cream and face products that Mm. I have recently bought Mm. I have really bad skin like uh, especially bad um, because of hormones and That's terrible stuff. things. Yeah, um, and I've had bad skin since I was like sixteen, um, and I just try every single face product there is. Like I, I believe that if I, if I just try hard enough with the skincare routine, all the hormone shit will be undone. You know, like I just, I just need to commit to that, <laughs> and everything else will be fixed. Um, and I've tried so many different things, and it never works. But I'm not saying that this new stuff... I've only been been using it for like a week. I'm not saying it's, you know, a miracle worker... But it makes me feel so much more confident. It's for glowing skin. And I mean, I feel pretty glowy right now. I mean, it's possibly just sweat. But (laughs) I'm leaning into it being my new glowing face cream. It's the Botanics range from um, Boots. So it's vegan and um, really gentle. And they're working in partnership with my favourite place in the world, Kew Gardens, uh, to make sure that all of their natural plant extracts are, you know, legit and, you know, doing their job and i just think that's really cool so yeah that's what i'm grateful for. yes
2: i'm obsessive skincare as well so
0: ah oh, there you go i would say it was
1: very tricksy energy being like it made me feel confident and that's why i'm grateful for it
0: yeah
1: yeah doing
0: wonders already tricksy mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i love it
1: I'm also going to read you a couple of messages from our lovely listeners so this gratitude message is from phoebe phoebe is grateful for the physical strength she's gained at the gym and enjoying lifting weights go you phoebe always great when people find the exercise that works for them and makes them feel fantastic so yeah you go girl um and krista krista you cheeky minx she is grateful for a potentially exciting new relationship krista do uh do keep us posted there we want all the dates.
0: hello my name's not And I am grateful for the sea and being able to swim in the sea. And for holidays that include being near the sea. Everything related to the sea. I love the sea. Thank you, sea.
2: If people would like more Trixie in their lives, Trixie, where do they go? Probably Instagram and Facebook under my stage name, Trixie Kicks. Um, and sort of information is always there on my profile and in my stories and stuff for classes and workshops or how to get in contact or what shows, any shows I'm doing. I'll always be posting things on there. So all information is posted out on Instagram and Facebook.
0: Well, it's been a delight to have you, Trixie Kicks. Thank you so oh, thank much. Thank you so oh, much for having me. Oh, not at all. A joy. Oh, pleasure. If you would
1: like more Invisible Cabaret, you can find us on all the social medias. Also, our website is www.invisiblecabaret.org and we have a special place there with all the um, previous episodes on. So if there's ones you want to catch up on, then you can find all the previous guests and show notes on there. While you're at it, if you fancy leaving us a, a, an honest review, some 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 nice feedback, uh, then we'd be delighted for you to do that because it does help other people find the podcast. And we'd love to keep talking about mental health and creativity with as many people as possible. So if you'd like to do that, that would be lovely. And until then, we will be back in two weeks' time. Look after yourselves in the meantime, be kind to yourselves, and we'll see you soon. Bye Bye-bye. bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.
0: This has been the Invisible Cabaret podcast. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please reach out to us on one of our many socials. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Just search Invisible Cabaret. We'd also be grateful if you could rate and review the podcast and share it with a friend so we can continue